Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, welcome to this week's edition of Blues Talk. We're again, John, Dave, and myself. We're going to look forward to the opening rounds of this season's Pro 14. Look back on the on the Champions Cup uh, semi-finals last weekend and have a good old chinwag about South Africa joining the Pro 14 and all the other rugby news. So, lads, we take off. Uh, we take on uh, Dragons this weekend, our first match against uh, Pro 14 opposition of this season. So, uh, looking forward to getting back. Yeah, it'll be good to have the pro whatever you're having yourself back again. Um, as it stands, it's the Pro 12. It might finish the season as the Pro 16. Um, so, God only knows. And then, of course, there's the courts, but we'll come to that. Um, yeah, the visit of the Dragons. Uh, Dragons aren't quite the pushover that they once were. They've been tooled up a fair bit by the WRU. Um, they've got guys like Jamie Roberts, who is not, it must be said, the most dedicated of performers in the Pro 14. Um, they've got Ross Moriarty, who's always good for a, a, a red card. Um, but they're, they're a better team than they were. They're coached by Dean Ryan, who's a much more competent coach than they've, than they've had. And he's, he's got a plan. Um, so I would fully expect Leinster to win. Apparently, Leinster have a full, a full deck to choose from, apart from the, the, the known injuries. Um, there's no... Uh, withdrawals for, for, for squads or things like that, which is unusual for a game against the Dragons. So it'll be interesting to see what team we pick. Yeah. Just going back to sorry John, just going back to what you were saying, Dave, about uh, Dragons there. Like obviously Dean Ryan's come in last season and um like they you know they they qualified this year again for the Heineken Cup. Last season uh they like that's their first time in ten years that they're going to be in the Heineken Cup. Um, and like they got to the quarterfinal of the Amlin a uh, couple of weeks ago, so you know they're kind of a team that's improving in Wales. I'm not sure if they're the best of a bad lot of the Welsh clubs or if they genuinely are improving under Dean Ryan. Well, they're not even the best of a, of a bad lot because the Scarlets are way better. Um, the Ospreys won't second be... best, second best, John. <laughs> the the Ospreys won't be shit for long, I don't think. Um, uh, yeah, I, but I do. I, I've always been a kind of an, a, a casual admirer of Dean Ryan. I mean, he, he's he's. You could say he's been found out a few times in his coaching, and, and he did lose a big coaching job a few years ago. There, that was high profile. He, he coached Gloucester for a long time. And was it? I can't remember. Was it them? He Worcester. Was, oh, was Worcester. Was he in Worcester. But I, I think he, he kind of lost the gig at Gloucester and ended up in the wilderness for a while and then turned up at Worcester a while later. Well, he, was on, he was on Sky Sports in Punditry on their rugby show and he was pretty good at that. I always liked him as a pundit, I have to say. There was, a, there was a suspicion, indeed an accusation, that his teams were very physical, occasionally overly so, but that he couldn't coach a team to do much more than, than that. Um, 
not necessarily sure that that's true because that Gloucester team was actually quite good. But um, that's always been the accusation that's been made about him, whether that, how much truth there is in that. There's probably a grain of truth in it. His teams are exceptionally physical. They always have been. Um, but as, 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 as numerous journalists have reminded us over the last week to 10 days, you can't win anything without physicality. So he's not necessarily wrong. It's the question whether he can uh, take it to the next level. I mean, he has what's-his-face as well. Came back from Saracens Hopkins or whatever his name is. Tompkins and Tompkins. Yeah. Uh, he came back from Saracens. So, I mean, there's... there's and, and Dragons have always produced decent young players who then get poached by the other regions. So, it'll be interesting to see what they present. Yeah. Uh, Ross Mariarty, I like your comment. He's always good for a red card. He, I, Ross, I wouldn't say it to his face, Moriarty, uh, I, I believe his nickname is, uh, and his, his uncle and his dad were two mad bastards as well. Paul and Richie, if memory serves. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, a family that burst you. I wouldn't like to upset them. Um, so, you know, he's a big, the, the big slag in the dragons have got uh, in Wales anyway has been that they've, you know, squandered their money on a few big signings like... Um, your woman from Coronation Street uh, at Hooker and uh, yeah, well, yeah, it was the other one I was thinking of with the leopard skin coat, but uh, Beth Lynch. Beth Lynch, that's <laughs> it. Um, so the, him and um, Moriarty and one or two others have been seen as you know money that they if they'd have got three decent players for the price of that rather than one really really good player who they're going to lose to Wales. But, you know, the corollary of that is that, you know, Wales are paying for it. So, you know, what you going to do? You, you, you take what's good for Wales when you're owned by Wales, like we take what's good for Ireland when we're owned by Ireland. So um, I do believe Wales are, are yeah, WRU are trying to get back out of the Dragons again or trying to find a buyer for the Dragons unsuccessfully. But, uh, has, has about Bayern It's taken a long time to work out the deal, especially as it regards Rodney Parade. Well, other people are saying that there's a de facto takeover of the regions going by the WRU uh, under the guise of lending the money under COVID. But you know, that could also just be a conspiracy theory. Who knows? Who knows the secrets of the WRU? Yeah. But they have, they have, the, the WRU did take out a loan, I think it's 20.4 million or something, 20 million uh, sterling. Um, yeah. And I think the reason that they had to do it was because the regions themselves couldn't get financing of that level because, you know, of the fact that they're not really profit. Well, yeah, well, that's it. Yeah. So the, the WRU was able to, was, was, went on the hook, if you like, for them. But apparently the re- repayment terms are, you know, quite quite stringent. There won't be any. There won't be any hundred thousand a year like certain other clubs get from their union. Mm. Well, we'll see what uh, we'll see what dragons pitch up against us. They they normally have a crack at us. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that they beat us twice in the one season, uh, and not that many other teams beat us that season either. So. Um, you know, we we you never know what might uh, they they seem to throw caution to the wind on uh, arrival and they might kind of blindside us now. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to win or anything, but might give us a... They didn't put up much, resi- didn't put up much resistance last season. We beat them 50 points to 15. That's true. I'll give you that one. 
but you know, like I mean, in fairness, like you have to say, they weren't the only team that Leinster put thirty or forty points on. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, I, hopefully they'll they'll uh, do something. They'll do something exciting anyway on a Friday night. Uh, so you know, welcome back rugby for the final season. It's a weird season that the Premiership is still playing. Yeah, they're playing all twenty-two rounds of their season, starting at the beginning of August, and they're actually finishing out the whole thing. They're playing three matches. Well, they're playing two matches this week. So for Exeter and Saracens. They've actually got three rugby matches in one week. John, uh, I, can sum up, I can sum up how weird this whole season is on and off the pitch in one sentence. Go on. Jedward are now the intelligent and reasoned voice of Ireland. I'll take your word for that. It doesn't get, <laughs> things don't get any stranger than that, do they? Well, I, I, I don't know. I just wouldn't fancy being, like, I was looking at their fixtures today. Uh, Exeter are, have played, as we know, <coughs> at the weekend. They're playing again on Wednesday, and they're playing yet again on Sunday because all the teams are having their final round match at uh, three o'clock on Sunday. So every single Premiership team is playing at three o'clock on Sunday, and Saracens and Exeter both playing on Wednesday and have a, have a <laughs> second. So I mean, obviously, there's going to be massive rotation, and you know. I think Exeter are playing London Irish on Wednesday, and if they win that, they can't be caught in the top spot. So it's uh, it, it's 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 a bizarre season. Whereas we've actually started the next season, and they're still going on. Plus, the Heineken Cup is going to be contested in the middle of next month. You've also got the Six Nations being finished off in October. Uh, uh, then you've got the November International, the Eight Nations November Internationals, which are part of next season, which is starting on Friday. And hey, look, I'm confused. Nobody knows what season it is. Like that's how confusing it is. Well, we're, we're late. We're late starting our season, our current season. We're, 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 I mean, this should normally season start starts on Friday, right? Yeah. Yeah. For us, and normally we, but normally we'd be what three rounds, maybe four rounds into it already. We'd be looking at the first European game. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's just, everything is, I mean, to a certain extent, it's last a bit like season, last year with the World of, Cup the things day. that are going to be permanently asterisks. Yeah, but it's a bit like last year with the World Cup, you know what I mean? It was kind of yeah. matches when all the guys were away and then there was sort of, you know, them, they, they'll filter back in once, the, once we're knocked out at the quarterfinal and so on. Uh, I was listening to um, Lancaster's press conference. He mentioned... Tyke Furlong out again, another injury, calf, calf injury this time. He seemed optimistic now. You can take that with as large or small a grain of salt as you want. But like Lancaster didn't seem to be overly concerned with that injury. And he also said Robbie Henshaw was A-OK after his HIA, uh, which he picked up in the quarterfinal. There was suggestions of a, of a HIA for Johnny Sexton as well, or injury anyway for Johnny Sexton but he hasn't been it hasn't been announced whether it's a fact or not. Uh, what what do we think of the rest of Johnny Sexton's career, i.e. is it going to extend beyond this season? Uh, him, isn't it? Well, is it up to him? It'll is, extend uh, until it'll extend certainly for Ireland it'll extend until there's somebody better than him. 
Um, or he wants to retire. Or he wants to retire. Um, the latter is more likely than the former looking around. Um, so unless he has, unless this year catches up on him and he starts to, his form starts to fall off a cliff. Um, as things so happen, to that. Huh? There's signs of that already, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but it, I, I tell you, he could be still halfway down the cliff, John, and he hasn't met any of the other contenders. You know, that's just the way it is. There is no, there is no replacement in place. I mean, Ian Madigan's been brought home. You know, it, it could be an option. Billy Burns, I don't think, is an option. I don't think Jack Carty's an option. And Joey Carberry is permanently injured. So, um, as things stand, it's him or Ross. And at the moment, you take him over Ross every day of the week. Mm. For how long, how much longer is that going to? I mean, until, until has, Ross is better than them, John. That's I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's professional rugby. Ross um, Byrne, come on, lads. Ross Byrne is not going to be the permanent solution for either Leinster or Ireland. Like, not suggesting he is. Not suggesting he is. But as things stand, he's currently the next cab on the rank, Jay. Oh, he is. Yeah, I agree um, with you there. But um, but until someone else comes along, John. Or yeah. Dave, sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But. Johnny Johnny Sexton is still the front man on the rank until somebody below him overtakes him in terms of performance, which hasn't happened. May happen this season, but it hasn't happened yet. I mean, I my sense of it is that is that Ross Byrne would be kind of the holding guy in Leinster, and I think that um, his younger brother will overtake him. Yeah. Well, we just don't know. It's all potential at this stage. Uh, we do know that Johnny is 107 and is bound to. If he doesn't feel it this season, he's definitely going to start feeling it after this season. I mean, what age is he, 35? But, but John, just, just to counter that, right? Like, and I, I'm not picking an argument. I'm just, just like, say, he, in the course of over the, the lockdown, he trained his arse off. He got into fantastic shape, right? So he, sure. he obviously sure. pushed himself to get into that shape. Like, listening to, say, you know, players that that have retired now a few years, like when, when they're asked, you know, why did you give up? It wasn't that they weren't getting a new contract or it wasn't because their terms and conditions were so much significantly poorer than their previous year's contract. It was that their desire had gone. Like O'Driscoll said, his body was gone. Others say, I just couldn't do another preseason. Whereas, you know, Sexton, like, Himself into we saw the pictures, he put himself under like to get your body in that sort of shape takes a considerable effort, you know what I mean? And well, in fairness, the type of you know, bulking up and lifting, and that's the, that doesn't go, that doesn't go until you're you know, 50s. Uh, what goes is the pace, uh, the you know, pace is the biggest one, uh, for a back. What I mean, it's but John, what I, like, it's not, I'm not saying about the pace. I'm talking about it's his desire to push himself to get sure. into that shape. Whereas, say, when O'Driscoll, when it was one more year, one more year, in the back of his mind, he knew, I'm done. Like, he was sort of even saying, like, Ernest Sewa, saying, I was held together by Band-Aids in the last six months of that last year and really only was doing it because I knew it was at the end and I didn't have to go through it again. Whereas Sexton's pushing himself. You know what I mean? Like... Sexton has nothing else to prove. He's done everything. He's won so, so much. Grand Slams, European Cups, Lions Tours, all that kind of, like, I don't know how many caps he's got for Ireland, 90 or whatever it is. 
like he's nothing else to prove. So he could easily walk away and, and, and you know, say, I don't need it. Like, like all things in sports, when you come to the end, people just remember your last few games, unfortunately, and they very rarely remember the 50 brilliant games you played. It's always, always, you know, like as we're having this discussion, oh, is Johnny's career coming to an end? He could be overtaken by X, Y, and Z player from the other provinces. But, you know, he's he's got that desire to keep going. So you have to think that that's where his headspace is. That's a fair point. Fair point. I, I, I think that, uh, well, the ravages of time will catch up with us all. Uh, determination that he, that steely determination that he has can can maybe stave them off for a bit longer than they can with others. Yeah, so. I think in Ireland we can be quite, maybe perhaps overly uh, age conscious. I mean, it, it's often been an accusation in Irish professional rugby that we're slow to pick young players. Perhaps we're a bit quick to move guys on. I mean, you look at, you look at what, what age Johnny Sexton, or Johnny Sexton, Johnny Wilkinson play himself until 38, 39 when he retired. Was it that late? Was it? Yeah. He played, mm. played a very long time and at the highest level. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, let's be brutal about it. Um, we can throw Johnny on the scrap heap when there's a better model in <laughs> ro- ro- rolls onto the factory floor, but at the moment there isn't, so he gets to keep the job. Or, or you know, we, we saw a guy like Donny Ryan playing at the weekend. Okay, I know there was different circumstances for his departure from the Irish scene, but like he was kind of discarded by Ireland. He wasn't given a central contract. He his contract, his gig was up with Munster, and he, you know, he moved, and he's got three or four years playing over in France and you know again up to him like whether he wants to continue but the way he played on on last Saturday you wouldn't guess that he's going to be 37 in December maybe maybe Simon Shaw uh, Simon Shaw, uh, Shaw is his uh, mentor or his, his role yeah, exactly he played at the highest level until he was 40 you know yeah yeah mad stuff he went to the Lions tour when he was not far off 40. Yeah, he was 39, I think, when he went in that last tour. Mm-hmm. And it was good value for it as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Johnny yeah. Wilkinson retired from uh, retired from England when he was 32. Obviously, he played on with Toulon uh, for quite a while afterwards. But, well, three years afterwards, he was still, he was 35 when he retired. He was there longer than three years, John. How long was he there when we were there? He was there four years in total, I think. Um, and he retired in 2014 at 35. Just gone 35, in fact. So, you know, we're Johnny... Johnny but yeah, his body was wrecked, though. Like, do you remember, I remember seeing like, graphs of all the injuries he had, particularly in his 20s. Like, he hammered people in tackles. Yeah, and he started very young as well. He, he played for England when he was a child. Uh, so being at the highest level, like Sexton was a few years older than when he got to, to the international capsville. I think he was mid-20s when he got his first international cap. In fact, yeah, it was uh, Fiji in the RDS. It was his, was his first what? cap. Um, the only time I can remember Ireland playing in the RDS, uh, it was weird having a national anthem before a rugby match in the RDS. Better watching Ireland play while standing in my spot. <laughs> well, I remember that game because Sean O'Brien made his Irish debut that day after um, Dennis Leamy got 
took a really bad knock actually he got he got a real uh, stinger a compression job and he had to go off and um, everyone was clapping him whereas Miriam of course being from Tulla was just super excited about Sean O'Brien coming on so everybody else was there oh poor Dennis poor Dennis poor Dennis and whereas Miriam was like hey Sean <laughs> yeah well they both went on to have decent Ireland careers hmm. but boys before we kind of get into like there's obviously um, a good bit to discuss about some some things that happened in the rugby world over the last seven days. But we'll just have a quick pre say go on. I have a, I have a, a, a missive from Murda. Oh yeah, oh. excellent. Yeah. Um, seeing as we're kind of still in the, the Pro 14. Um, no, I was going pro... to do a preview of the matches, Dave. Oh, are you? Okay, well, when we get to the preview of the Pro, whatever you're having yourself, we, we'll read out Murda's missive. Grand. Okay, so well, just going through the other matches on Friday. On Friday is Zebra Cardiff. Uh, I see there's going to be a thousand people at this. Well, sorry, there's going to be a thousand tickets available for the Zebra match. I'm not sure whether a thousand. Yeah. All right. I'd say Zebra for that. I'd say there'd be no problem getting a thousand people to go to anything after. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. You sell a thousand tickets, Jay, for you and me throwing a ball around there on, on Tiernan and Oak. <laughs> true enough, true enough. But uh, yeah, so like I, that's great to see some crowds getting back in rugby, and certainly clubs need it desperately. Uh, Ulster are having an experiment as well this weekend. They take on Benetton, but they're allowing the six hundred tickets, and there's going to be eight hundred and fifty people in in Ravenhill or the Kingspan. Um, I think they're they're doing a kind of a raffle on um, for three hundred people who bought their membership this year, and uh, like you can buy two tickets a pop. So good, it's good to see crowd, crowds getting back into games. There was five thousand at the Toulouse match at the weekend, wasn't there? All the French games, I think. Uh, it's the was French. it five thousand or was it not cut down to one thousand on short notice? Oh, oh. Or maybe it was. Sorry, I thought it was five thousand. I, th- I think I heard. Maybe, maybe that was just the racing game because it was indoors. Mm. They had planned to have five thousand, and I know to that. Uh, but I thought it was uh, cut down to. It, I, I may be wrong, but memory serves. No, I think there was five thousand in Toulouse and a thousand in Paris. Yeah, Paris. maybe that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes a difference. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just going back to the Ulster game. Will, Will Addison is out for a few months, apparently. Mm. Um, yeah. I think yeah. yeah, back sur back surgery. So he's he's like con- continually he's been injured since he came. yeah, you wouldn't, wouldn't put it past him having to hang up the boots. But he's had back surgery, so hopefully it'll work out okay for him. Yeah, I was gonna say he's Darren Anderton. <laughs> yes, exactly. Sick note. Sick note. And uh, there's another uh, interesting injury up in Ulster as well, Tom O'Toole. Is out for several weeks with an ankle injury, and considering a furlong is out, um, you know, not uh, like some of was included in the Ireland training squad. I'm not sure he would have made the say match day 23, but he certainly, if that's two of your say frontline I'd, I'd four, say I'd, be, I'd say he'd have been in with a shout. He's one of the guys who did come out of credit out of out with credit from Ulster's post lockdown yeah. return. Um, so I'd say I'd say he would have been knocking on Andy Farrell's door anyway. So he'd be a big, he'd yeah. be a loss to both Ulster and Ireland. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Munster. Oh, with Furlong out, 
You're going to John Ryan or you're going to... Yeah, you will with, with obviously you've got Porter there, but you'll be looking at John Ryan, you're looking maybe at Finley Bealham. Which what side is he playing on, on these this week? Um tight, isn't he? Yeah. He was a guy that Joe Schmidt loved. I'm not sure about Andy Farrell. Um and then you're talking about John Ryan as well. There's there are candidates there, but they don't fill you with uh Well confidence. Jason Jason hates Finley Bealham. Well, he doesn't hate him, but Jason doesn't rate Finley Bealham. Hates him with a passion. Yes. Since he, he cheated in that game of poker, you know, I just, I can't forgive him. He hates him more than he hates Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> well, Munster have to travel over to Clenethley. Uh, Clenethley, there's a guy I used to love watching play for the Dragons, actually. Adam Brew is back for, back in Wales. Oh, uh, yeah. I think he, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he's back for Scarlet's. Uh, wow. I always thought he was a super player. He's probably getting a bit on now. He's probably in his he must be. early to mid-30s yeah. now, I guess. But he, he had pace to burn, that lad did. Big physical guy as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, another one of the most, it's one of the most interesting ties of the round. Like, uh, the, you know, Munster away to the Scarlets. There's... there's uh, you know, there are two heavy hitters in the league, um, if not in Europe. So they both they both had um, similar enough records in the league last year. Both won ten, lost five. Just to think, Munster had that few extra bonus points that got them the, the playoff yeah. position over Scarlets. In more in more things going badly for Ireland news, it appears that Shane Daly is a bit of a knock as well. Yeah, yeah, very light and full back, aren't we? Yeah. Because he was, I mean, he'd he kind of played himself into into contention for the for the Ireland squad, um, both by being good last season and by everyone else being crap. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. particularly with Rob Carney now heading off to the Western Force for uh, his little pension boost. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not sure it's a pension boost so much as uh, an adventure. You know? Yeah, exactly. Lifestyle choice, I'd say. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because, like, the guy is, re- I would reckon, is relatively financially astute and could do, could walk into something that's going to make him money fairly easily. Maybe he's going to open a branch of the bridge. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think he, he's doing it for necessarily the money. I'm sure it doesn't hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I'd say he just wants to spend a year in Australia. I think Japan was the plan. Uh, yeah. But it didn't work out. Well, so, you know, of are owned by your man Forrest, who has massively deep pockets. Pots of dough. Yeah. But he, like, there's another guy, John. We were talking about, you know, old, old father time catching up. Like he obviously, like Rob Carney, didn't want to jack it in. Fergus McFadden, by all accounts, did. You know, he just said, "I've had enough of this," and like that's just everyone is different than. You know, different motivation, different things get you going. And like one lad said, both thirty-four-year-olds. One one said, "Let's give it a swing and give it and go over to Australia and give it a swing for a year and see how it goes." And the other lad said, "Let's you know, pull up sticks and go." Well, well Arne, arguably, uh, Rob Kearney has is higher mileage because he started younger and had more exposure for both Leinster and Ireland than Fergus McFadden. McFadden was injured more, but 
arguably, <laughs> Fergus McFadden would tackle you with his face around the shoelaces. Uh, so, you know, that's why he probably he was injured a lot because I think you said last week, David, if, if chopping off your head and throwing it at a player would stop it, that, then he'd do it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he, 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 he went hard, so you can't go hard and go forever, you know. Uh, so yeah, he's probably. Uh, don't forget as well. There's always a wife in your ear, uh, or a partner of some kind in your ear. Uh, I'm sure Johnny Sexton's wife is looking through through her fingers every time he plays for Ireland. And I'm sure you know all rugby players' wives are looking, through, especially when they get into their thirties. Uh, I'm sure Brian O'Driscoll's missus was looking through her fingers at him playing his last. You know, because there's another guy that went hard and went, and he did go for 15 seasons or, or more. So, so um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot at stake for a guy at that age. You know, you've got that far through your rugby career without you know, and you can still walk. Uh, so, you know, maybe uh, I, I I do wonder if Leinster might have kept on Rob for another year, though. It is a position where a bit skinny, and certainly in terms of experience. I mean, if you look at it, our most experienced fullback, full time fullback, is is Jordan Armour. That's a lot of knowledge leaving the organisation at the same time, you know? Yeah. Isa and Rob gone in, in you know, two seasons. Mm. There, there's a serious changing of the guard, hasn't there been in the last yeah. few seasons? You know, all the, like there was a few stragglers were kind of hanging on from, even say the first Heineken Cup or, you know, that kind of squad. There was one or two, or maybe a few more than that. And slowly it's like they're they're all gone now, you know. O'Brien last season, um, Jamie Carney gone now. Sorry, Jamie gone. Jamie. I mean, yeah. Rob, Rob and Jamie played in uh, Checker's first game as coach at Leinster in a, in a preseason friendly. So yeah. I mean, he's the he was the last man standing from that generation. Yeah, yeah. Him and Luke were the were the flavor of the month. That the well, Luke I think was the following season. Yeah. Um, so the two of them were, were the, you know, the, the new, young, exciting players on the scene at the time. Um, and like you say, Rob Kearney uh, started before the, a year before Luke and here he is still playing and he's gone away to Australia to do it. And, you know, yeah. he, he minds himself, though, in fairness, not just... Well, he leaves, he leaves the most decorated player in the history of Irish rugby, which isn't a yeah. bad... Which, no, when you consider that, excellent. the last 15 years have been, you know, pretty decorated. Yeah. You know, to have been been part of virtually all of it. Yeah, it's good good timing. It wasn't like he he played in the Jim Staples era. You know, imagine you've had fifteen years playing in that team. <laughs> you might get one win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like, don't forget, uh, Mike Gibson, for example, was uh, the cap record holder up until very recently with something like seventy. I think Mallow Kelly broke his record if memory serves. But like he was from 1979 till whenever Malcolm O'Kelly hit uh, hit 76 caps is a long bloody time to have a record, and that guy played at least 15 seasons. Tell that to George Stevenson. Yeah, or uh, what's his name, Ronnie Kavanagh in the 50s, a guy who played for an awful lot of seasons, but had he was the record cap holder as well with something like 35 or something really low. George Stevenson was the record try scorer with 19 tries for, you know, a very long time. So Brendan Mullen, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, we're talking 
50 or 60 years, I think, wasn't it, Jay? Yeah, it he played been. pre-war. But there would be so many fellas that would, you know, be in for three games, they have yeah. a, a disastrous season, and then they'd never be heard from <laughs> again. That's true. Yeah. Well, just mentioning uh, Murdo's oh, or Murdo's club uh, take on. Oh, I have to travel to Galway. They're playing. Be Connacht. careful of them students. That's it. Ravening hordes of disease-ridden students roaming the streets of Galway. Hmm. Apparently, I was listening to the radio today, and that's the impression I got. Must be true. It's on the radio. Yep. Yeah. Glasgow have Nakawara back for them. Yeah, Murdo says, I fear our season is doomed. No new players this year again, other than Richie Gray, to see out his last few years. And the academy does not seem to be very productive. And with the SRU seemingly forces, forcing us to retire or get rid of several to cut costs, I'm depressed already. Can we get Finn back, please, Mr. Dobson? His dad will say sorry, and Finn has gone teetotal. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be discussing Finn Russell's performance uh, in the semi-finals when we come to that. But uh, yeah, Glasgow has made it up with Gregor. Apparently so. Yeah. 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 But like, um, it just the wheels seem to fall off. Glasgow, you know, they were for the last five years. They were the strong, oh, yeah. stronger of the two Scottish teams. And then, like, when Rainey left and went back to, well, took the Australia job, um, you know, they, it, you often see it in football, don't you? Like, there's a lame duck manager, and they sort of seem to have that sense about them last season. Uh, like, you know, they had a poor enough record. I think they, they only won eight of their 15 games, you know, so. It's for a side like Glasgow. Yeah. Because they, yeah. they were... They were perennial title chasers in the Pro 14 and people expected them to either do that or push on in Europe and they never really did. They just kept losing key guys. They lost Nakarwara, then they lost Russell uh, and they lost Maitland. They lost one guy after another, key guys. Maybe not a huge flood out the door, but there were enough to, to kind of put a hitch in their step, as it were. They've almost become a selling club now, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. You know, like they, they produce these brilliant, some brilliant players and then they're kind of... Poached. Snappled up, snappled up by some big, bigger clubs in France or in England and, and they're continually trying to replenish That's their the, squad only for the next generation to be sucked up into some bigger... It'd be interesting because they, I mean, they, they seem quite pleased with young Mr. Hastings. Hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he goes for them after with another year's experience under his belt. So then, final game is uh, the Ospreys travelling up to Edinburgh. Um, obviously, Edinburgh were in the uh, final. No, sorry, Edinburgh got to the semi-final. Uh, they won their conference, and uh, Ospreys finished bottom of their conference. So, uh, two strikingly uh, different form clubs. Yeah, Ian, Ian Madigan put Edinburgh out though, um, which won't have won't have resonated well with with Richard Cockrell, um, and they also got a good spanking in the in the Challenge Cup quarter final the following week. Um, so yeah, they've 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 some stuff to make up for, and then the Ospreys, who were bought by was it South Koreans or somebody out that direction anyway, bought the bought the Ospreys, um, uh, so they. Should be should have enough bankroll to start coming back. 
Um, so it might no, be interesting. No, the Ospreys, they probably thought it was South Koreans, but it's actually North Koreans. <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> but fair. Fair. Yeah. See, uh, actually, you, you mentioned Liam Madigan there. He he wasn't registered, or the uh, <laughs> Ulster hadn't transferred his credentials from the R yeah. RFU to the IRFU, and they. Well, I think it was kind of a bit of a. Only they wanted to make too big a deal out of it because they only fined them one point, and I think they had a, they gave them a suspended fine of ten k. If they, yeah, they, they, they lost yeah, the match point they got against Munster. Was it against Munster or against us? Yeah. Against Munster, wasn't it? Like it was kind of as though we don't want to make this too draconian and then screw up the whole um, league tables and then there'll be stewards' inquiries into it. Well, it just occurred to me when I heard that news because we were talking last week about uh, was Ian Madigan dropped or, or uh, was he injured for the quarter final against Toulouse? But it's much more likely that he. He just hadn't had got his paperwork sorted, uh, and people had noticed. So he no, had he had his paperwork sorted by then. It was only one game. It was the first two games, wasn't it? It was the it was the game against uh, yeah. It was the first two games: the game against us and the game against Munster. They got one match point from those, and those were the two games he wasn't registered for. He's registered in time for the remaining games. Uh, okay. Yeah. So the question still remains: Was he injured or was he dropped? We don't. Know. No, that's yeah. <laughs> okay. We will never know. So, lads, few few interesting things happened in in Pro 14. I suppose. Well, just one thing that I noticed that they obviously they released the fixtures, and one interesting, um, one in, one interesting uh, event was that they brought in Monday night rugby. Um, I know you say. I saw that you were saying it wasn't that innovative, but it is quite innovative for, for, for rugby because it's quite unusual to play on Monday nights. Yeah, it's, I think they've just literally brought it in for uh, because of the uh, two reasons. One, the November internationals, and two, the fact that there's not going to be any crowds at any of them. So uh, optimize it for TV and get people to watch at a different time. I, that's the reasoning I would see. And I think you're a gullible fool for thinking that. <laughs> um, I think the reason they brought Tin into the wedge, Dave. Tin into the wedge. I think. Well, I think it is. It, it, it might. It might depends on whether you think it's a tin end or a wedge. But I, I think it's definitely been brought in to expand the viewing slots for rugby um, in advance of the new TV deal um, for next next season. Um, get another night where you can get rugby in. Um, I don't think they care about people going to the games. People going to the games aren't watching them. You know, they're not watching the games. They're not watching the advertisers. Um, so, because there'll always be people at the games. I mean, once you're allowed to have people in the game. buying land John? John? I seem to have some delay on my internet connection. Nice. Come back now. Um, but what, what I would suggest is that... Uh, it's it, it's just a matter. It, it's it's just a, a broadcasting expansion, and they're using COVID or whatever as an excuse to get over the hump of it. And then, sure. Well, everybody was such a success when we tried it during COVID. Why don't we keep it? Can we keep it? Can we keep it? Please, Dad. Um, I, I'm not. 
there's two ways of looking at it. One, I mean, Monday night sports is de rigueur in other professional sports. You've got Monday night football in soccer. You've got Monday night football in, foot, in American football, colonial rugby. You've got uh, Monday night baseball. You've got basketball on Monday night. So it's not all that unusual a thing. Um, the problem is, is it, 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 it can be an issue for the wider game in as much as, you know, a lot of what we do is based around people have been out. A lot, a lot of what Leinster does is based around, you know, the proximity of the top level players to their communities. So little Tarquin and Jocasta won't be able to go to the match on a school night. Yeah, and, and then on, even their, their dads or their mums yeah. mightn't be able to go out and have Make too many scoopy doops if they've got to get up for work the next morning. Yeah. So know, like, like it or not, that is part of going to the games is yeah. making it part of your evening and your, your evening's entertainment. Go to the game, have, meet up with your friends that you haven't seen for the week and have a few drinks. Like, yeah. that's quite normal, I would suggest. You know, and like, and that and that's sort of one side of me, I'm a bit hesitant. Like, obviously, with COVID, you can see, you know, it's great to have rugby on four nights a week. I'm thrilled for that. But I'm not sure if I would like, if I was scheduled to go to, let's say, just say for argument's sake, with Leinster Munster and be played it on a Monday night. You know, like, that's a fairly big game that you enjoy going to and meeting up with some fellas that you hadn't seen for a while. And then it'd be Monday night and everyone just kind of shaking hands and going home and see you later because I've got to be up for, for uh, work the next day. Well, you do have <laughs> some options, Jason. Like, you could do mad things like only have four pints or uh, crazier things. Don't like drive with five, Jason. Don't drive with five. <laughs> take, take Tuesday off or something absolutely batshit mental like that. You know, there are ways... Oh, you could do that. You could do that. Of course you could. I mean, you, you look at... You look at um, I mean, we, we saw the 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 markets marketing survey that was put in the put it put out in the wild by what looked like pro rugby pro fourteen rugby there last week, um, you know where there were a number of interesting questions about the future of television, um, and this is this is kind of just part of that. Mm. Yeah, well, interesting times, and another I suppose the main talking point is of course the. We mentioned it a couple of weeks ago about South African teams, but they actually have voted to join. That's the Lions, the Bulls. Sorry, Lions, they voted the Bulls, to explore the joining, Jason. Sorry? They voted explore. to explore joining. Okay. Uh, just cross that word out. That'll be erased <laughs> in a couple of weeks when they see the financials. So Lions, the Bulls, the Sharks, and the Stormers, which, as you mentioned, Dave, leaves the cheetahs out in the cold. Yeah, there's been a couple of um, there's been a couple of interesting um, responses to it. I sent you guys on a video. I don't know if you got to see it. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Mark used to be the South African uh, used to be Springboks media manager actually, and he's a well respected journalist in South Africa. So he had his take on it. Um, in as much as yes, the Cheetahs are a huge team and they're everybody's you know second favorite team in South Africa, but they're not the richest team in South Africa. Um, uh, and they're a, they're, a, they're, a, they're a countryside team as opposed to a city team. John, I don't know what you're doing um, <laughs> uh, compared to the rest of South Africa. So there's that. The other side of it is they have a contract to play Pro 14 rugby until 2023, you know? Yeah. Um, so unless South Africa can get them into super rugby, um, which apparently South Africa have... And, and the other part of this statement is that South Africa are going to explore <laughs> getting the cheetahs into... Uh, 
uh, the revamped Super Rugby competition. So if, if the Cheetahs don't get into some competition, I can see this end up in the courts. They made an announcement today, yesterday, that they were engaging counsel and that they engaged, you know, some super duper lawyer in South Africa, apparently. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. This will, this one could run and run, folks. But yeah. having said that, having those provinces, having any four of the top five provinces in South African rugby will certainly increase the competitiveness of the competition. Leaving aside the whole thing about whether it's right for the competition or it's right for rugby or it's right for South Africa or it's right for the hemisphere, just having them in the competition will be good for the competition. Although um, one of the uh, journalists uh, announced it uh, and I, I, I replied on, on Twitter and I replied to him and said, I wonder how long it'll take you boys to start denigrating this competition. And it took 23 minutes before somebody did. Before another journalist pointed mm. out that South African rugby is riddled with drugs and why are we inviting them into the Pro 14? So it took 23 minutes for the Irish rugby media to, all, to start denigrating the new competition. The teams haven't even joined yet. Yeah. Well, get your, get your retaliation in early. I mean, one of the reasons people, I mean, people have many reasons why the Pro 14 isn't everything it should be. And we actually have a question in on it on Twitter from uh, Sean Smith, who asks, whose turn it is, is it in the Irish Times to say how shit the Pro 14 is? It turns out it was Gavin Kominsky. Um, Did you read that article today? Kominsky's like, article? Everything wrong no. in it. Oh, huh? Like, I read the article and I said to myself, does he actually like rugby? Like, I get the impression that he doesn't like rugby. And then he just had a, he had just a bitch and a whinge at everything, even about the RDS. You know, he said, oh, it's a shame that we can't be back there and we won't be back there again until November. There's a match on Friday. He was talking about the A game last weekend. And he started having a whine about uh, Joy Neville not being brought into the international uh, for the Six Nations. I was like, please, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, just because she's a woman doesn't necessarily mean that she gets the gig. Like, you've got to be the best or the top two Irish referees, yeah. presumably. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, she's she, a very good referee. She's still, she's still a very, she's, she is a superb she's referee. And, and in a year's time, maybe she, if she continues on her current growth path, then yes, yeah, certainly Six Nations. But she's still very inexperienced. Um, this year, she's, I, I believe she's doing TMO in the Six Nations this year, which is yeah. the next step along the line, you know? It's the first been part of the official team, an official, an officiating team in a Six Nations match. So, I mean, there is, there's, there's a, there's a career progression path in rugby, in rugby refereeing, same as there is in everything else. And that's yeah, the next step on the Gavin can't see, Gavin just sees negativity and everything. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Um, but, um, now, sorry, you, so, so, so I, it, it turned out it was uh, Gavin Kumsky's turn. I didn't read that article. I was just saying what he was saying on Twitter. Um, and that Leinster need to buy some South Africans like Munster. Having said that, do we need a grizzled enforcer in the pack to help develop some of our more raw players? It doesn't matter. We can't get one. We've no money. Um, but, but let's uh, say all things being equal. All things being equal. Should, like, again, Lancaster was on his press conference today and he kind of said, it's going, to go, it's going against the Leinster way. Like, the Leinster way is to develop players through bring in one or two sprinkling yeah. of farm players. But... You can't really, like, well, first of all, he said it was not going to happen. They're going to buy five, you know, firing superstars to supplement your team. But, like, fundamentally, that's not what Leinster should be no. about. Like, we, the, we, the reason, I've said it a hundred times, all the provinces, and sometimes, like, the provinces don't stick to their remit. 
but it is to develop players for the national team. And, you know, by bringing in, like, when was, like, as we've said again a hundred times, when has Munster produced a centre? Because they've just continually for 10 years or probably more brought in two foreigners to play in the centre. And, you know, like, their remit is to produce centres for the Irish team. Like, not, not to supplement a former South African um, centre that won a World Cup or, or captain this country. Personally, what I like Leicester to do is have a team that is made up significantly of Leicester-developed players. Um, but I would, I, I do like the idea that we've kind of gone down the road recently, or in the last couple, excuse me, of having a utility back and a utility forward from outside of the Leinster gene pool to bring young guys on. If you get the right character, somebody like, I mean, we've been actually very lucky with, I mean, we, we signed two duds in, 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 in Sykes and Douglas, not as players, but in terms of, you know, their, their legacy. But we had Nathan Hines, we had Brad Thorne, and we had Scott Fardy. And indeed, uh, it has to be said, Hayden Triggs. Guys who came in, weren't necessarily going to start every game, weren't necessarily interested in starting every game, but left a legacy behind them in the players that they helped develop. And that's, you want one of those maybe in the pack and one of those in the backs. And that's all we need from a foreign player's perspective. Yep. But like we got rid of Tomani this season. So, you know, as you mentioned with Carney gone, with uh, Ferg gone, we are a little bit skinny. Um, inexperienced, particularly when you think we're going to have two Six Nations games and four, is it four autumn or November international, whatever they're going to be called, winter internationals. Then fast forward a couple of months, hopefully, and we're into February and we're going to have the Six Nations again. So we're going to have a significant chunk of international matches this season that we're not going to have. You know, obviously, we're going to have say, somewhere between 10 and 15 players missing from our squad that'll be um, training with the, with the national team. But we won't have many fellas like Ferg McFadden that has, you know, 200 Leinster caps and 50 Ireland caps that will guide through, you know, young fellas like uh, Hugo Keenan or someone yeah. of, of his ilk. And those guys are actually quite important. Um... But, you know, as things stand, I mean, none of us have any money. Um, I mean, you and I had a bit of a discussion about this, Jay, um, on WhatsApp in terms of, you know, how the, the plans, the investment plans for the CVC money have kind of been swallowed up by the need to survive uh, this year and next year. Over, uh, You know, so, I mean, yeah. that's, that's unfortunate. Unfortunately. Huh? Well, like, it's, it's fortunate and, and unfortunate. It's fortunate that... The, Oh, the money's in in the first place. The deal place. was done and that CBC's yeah. money yeah, is, yeah. Able, is able to be used. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, unfortunate. That it can't be used to develop the league. Correct. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, that's it. It's a good thing it's there, to ha that, that the teams have it to survive on. It's a safety net for all of the clubs, a little yeah. bit, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but uh, in terms of, we, we also had a question in from uh, Ricardo Tiernig. He, sees, he says, I see the fingerprints of Razi Rasmussen who's obviously Razi Rasmus's Norwegian cousin, um, <laughs> all over the planned inclusion of the top 14 leagues in the pro, whatever you're having yourself. I, I, he's, definitely, he's definitely a key player in this. Um, he has secured 
in terms of South African coaches, he's, he's managed to secure himself some fairly unprecedented power because he was always a very good politician as well as obviously his coaching success. He's got himself onto the board of Saru, which the national coach necessarily wasn't in the past. Um, so, and, and he has been a driver in this. He's admitted himself that he's been a driver in this because he's experienced the Pro 14 and knows that what it can be, how it can be beneficial to the South African team. So yeah, I'd say he's certainly one of the, the drivers of this process. Yeah, is there any downsides of the pro of the, those teams joining the Pro 14 lands? No, they're 8,000 miles away. Well, yeah. for a, a start, the, the, pure, the pure and simple um, planet killing of the amount of plane flights that are going to be involved. Um, you've got, you know, just the whole travel thing for, for us as well as them. We've got to go down to play four weeks in a row or two weeks by two or, you know, having a, having a, a league that's split, you know, Italy was the furthest we were going and that's a two hour flight, uh, you know, but South Africa, 12 hour flight, like it, it's not nothing, you know, I know they're in the same time zone, et cetera, et cetera, but that's only good. That's only uh, saving the, um, a bit of jet lag and also saving the TV deals, but it's not, it's not stopping the travel. The travel is still brutal and exhausting and all of that stuff. So yeah, I, I'm not sure about it uh, from that perspective. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what way that they, they split it. You know, are they going to continue with two conferences? Would they even possibly have a third conference? I don't look, I don't know. And, you know, keep the South Africans playing amongst themselves and then sporadically, play, you know, in Ireland or in, in Scotland or whatever. Like, I don't, well, I don't know what way they're going to work it. What's been talked about is possibly a Scottish-Italian a Scottish conference, a Welsh conference, an Irish conference, and a South African conference uh, with more limited um, travel between the, the spots. But, yeah. in, you know, isn't that what killed Super Rugby? Going to three conferences and going... You know, doing all that mad shit uh, with local, like they tried to put South Africa into, or sorry, put uh, Argentina into the South African conference and put uh, Japan, the Japanese, the Sunwolves into into the uh, the other conference. So it's it's kind of, uh, and then of course the New Zealand conference was just so much better than everyone else, which will again inevitably happen in in uh, you know. The Scottish-Italian conference will perhaps be the weakest one and there's all kinds of issues there around who plays who and how often you have to play the weaker teams and the stronger teams. And I think you know. I think we can be sure that whatever idea they come up with, it'll probably be stupid and need changing in two years' time anyway because that's how the Pro 14 works. Possibly. Yes. I'm running down the league, Dave. I'm, I'm, I'm running down the organisation. I mean, in fact, you make a fair point, but I mean... This is what now, year 17, 18 of the league, and it's what, the 11th format? Well, I, I, uh, I have to balance my distrust or my dislike of all that travel and all of that stuff against my distrust of the Nigels. Because the other direction this is going is uh, towards the Nigels uh, and a British and Irish Cup. So, you know, they're the only, and I think Jason made a really good point, was it last week or a few weeks ago, where he said, you know, what if, uh, what if this is just a training run for the South Africans to get into a more European slash British whatever conference 
and that we end up just being, you know, pro- uh, what would they call it? Uh, proving that it works. A proving uh, ground. And then, a, a proving ground. And then next thing, a feasibility study was the word I was looking for. And then the next thing is if it, if it works out well, they all end up playing in England to all their South African expats with all the money. And we end up out in the cold. You know, that's, that's a possible scenario. Whereas if you get in the British uh, and Irish league route, the South Africans are not likely to be coming back. You know, that's kind of closes off that, that door. So, you know. The thing about the Nigels is, as long as you remember that their two prime principles are greed and avarice. Uh, yeah. Keep that at the and, front of your mind that you know how to deal with them. And it's a totally different model of how they run their rugby. Like, I yeah. just think it would be a great idea. I think it would be a great idea if they, it's not going to happen, but if they changed that they use some of the matches, particularly over Six Nations, that you, you develop and you bring through younger players like we do, that you rotate and rest, that you use 53 players, therefore you've got 53, let's call it, you got three foreigners in the Leinster squad, so you got 50 young Irish men all available, all getting game time, all potentially going to be Irish internationals in the future. Whereas in England, you look at Saracens, I mean, look at the amount of, obviously they brought through a number of England internationals in their team, but there's also quite a, <clears throat> a few non-England internationals in that team. And like, Saracens are, one of the better, Saracens are one of the better teams of bringing through England internationals. There's plenty of other teams. Look at Sale, they're probably littered with foreigners playing for them that really contribute nothing to the greater good of English rugby, except a few thousand people that go to some part of Manchester to watch Sale every second weekend. But Jason, they've 12 teams, so, you know, if we're producing 50 players each, they yeah. only need to produce 15. Yeah, but they aren't. You know? And the problem is, it's not the 12 teams, it's the fact that they've maybe, maybe as many as four teams too many. Maybe they should have a, 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 an English Super 8. Well, I mean, you look at it this way. I mean, the population of England is what, 48 million? Mm. That's eight times ours. You know, and they've been, they've, they, they, I, I think they've got too, they've, they've too many teams. Mm. The reason why they have to do all this stuff with salary caps and stuff like that is, isn't for the, the IRFU exists and it uses the provincial system and pro rugby and whatever to grow the game of rugby in Ireland, right? Everything they do is about growing the game of rugby in Ireland. We might like it sometimes, but it's what it's about. Everything that the clubs, the, the Gallagher Premiership clubs do is for the survival of Gallagher Premiership clubs. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You're not getting any argument from us on that? I wonder, lads, if there's going to be some clause that the South African teams want to join the European competition. You know, they definitely that, do. They def- it was mentioned today. Yeah. Like, I mean, that has to be one of the carrots oh, yeah. to get them in. Because I'm sure, that, like, put it this way, you know, and at this point, I kind of said tongue-in-cheek last week, but if they are, if, if let's say, the Stormers are playing against <clears throat> Harlequins, you know, and, and it, you know, like the soup is going to be too small for that game. That game will be moved to Twickenham and there'll be 50,000 dollars. No bother. Because of no, the large... That's just all the South African bar workers in London. Fair enough. But like, there is a very large 
substantial population of South African rugby, lo rug rugby loving people that will rock up to a match in London. Particularly if the match is a meaningful match and not, you know, kind of an, yeah. an exhibition no, or a friendly or whatever. I agree. Well, as my as my English cousin uh, who lives in Wellington, New Zealand, uh, once cracked a fellow fellow who who he was um, who was serving him in the pub said, "Well, what's what's the difference between London and, and Wellington, Dave?" And he said, "Well, there's no difference. I go into a pub, a kiwi pulls me a pint. It's exactly the same." <laughs> so South Africans could probably you could probably say the same about South Africans. There's a lot of them. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, Europe is definitely their end goal because that's where the big exposure and, you know, they could get, that's where the sponsorship money and it's the same as for all of us. I mean, the same in South Africa, obviously, the European competition uh, because it is, it is a popular competition down there in terms of, you know, TV. So, yeah, that, that has to be their end goal. And I that suppose maybe, that, maybe that's the why they're having a review of yeah. where they want, you that's know, like Laura. All these things have to be hammered out, and like, presumably, the people who've signed up to the current European uh, <clears throat> EPRC charter that's going to, whatever that's going to expire, presumably that's going to be jimmied to let them into it, and it's going to be the whatever. Well, see, the, the, the big fear is if they're coming in, where do their places come from? Yeah. yeah well, who knows? Probably the expense of Italy. Well, they come. They come. Well, they're going to come from the Pro 14, 14. whatever so, the competition is going to be called. You know, so there's that's that's something that's there'll be an awful lot of self interest in any negotiations. I mean, four South African, four very strong teams coming in there. A lot of organisations in Ireland, include including in Ireland, would be very worried about that. Yeah. Well, don't yeah. forget. I think you made this point, Dave. Uh, I don't know where you made it, but uh, that CVC have no stake in the Heineken no. Cup whatsoever. Yes. Yes, uh, they do have a stake. I've no stake in it yet, but <laughs> yeah, they do have a stake in the other, in two of the other, in, in two of the three leagues that make up the Heineken Cup, but they don't have a stake in it itself. So, is it in their interest to? Um, to have South Africans in the Heineken Cup at all? Or is it in Premiership Rugby's interest to have South Africans in the Heineken Cup if they're going to be in the top 14 or pro 14? And likewise with the top 14, is it, is it in their interest? Because these are all the people who are voting in the Heineken Cup. So is it in any of their interests to have South African teams in? So who, who is this? Who are these people who are going to be making a place for South Africans in there and how are they going to do it? So, you know, there's a lot now, to hold Jump, don't overplay CBC's hand. They have 28% of the Pro 14, 27% Gallagher Premiership. They don't have a controlling vote. They don't have majority ownership. So, like, they have a substantial stake in it, of course. But, like, do you know what I mean? It, they're, they're, not the, they're not some sort of silent hand in the background guiding everything. Like, they, they're a significant player, but they're not the, the oh, well, majority... Well, what that's just CBC, but what about the Pro 14 or the Top 14 and the uh, and the Premiership? There's nobody in there that is going to want to see South African teams in the Heineken Cup if they're playing in the Pro 14. It's 
I don't see it. You know, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm just saying I don't know where these European players, who's going to vote for these European places, and who's. I, think, I, I don't think I don't think France or England would mind, or the, the Premiership would mind, um, because okay, they might it might reduce their chances of winning it, but it would certainly fill it would certainly greed and avarice. God, remember greed and avarice. They don't care about winning it. They just care about earning from it. So you know those teams would certainly help them earn from it. So I don't think I I I think that the conversation would have to be the conversation the hardest conversation is going to happen within Celtic rugby itself. But they need to do something to make a change. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it it can't continue on as in its current format. It's, and particularly now thing, we've lost two we've lost two of our participants in it. The one thing that's going to be beneficial if they come in and, and in terms of uh, European places and stuff like that is it will strengthen the Challenge Cup. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, because um, you have stronger teams. You'd have teams that would, maybe even some South African teams, or teams that would generally count themselves automatically as European teams, would end up in the Challenge Cup. So you'd have mm -hmm. two strong European competitions instead of one. Jim O'Connor of this, formerly of this parish, will be having conniptions if he heard that, Dave. Well, I always, I always called. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I had this conversation with John. I always, always called the Challenge Cup the Donkey Derby. I mean, mm. you know, in its old format, at best, you were the ninth best team in Europe. Yay! Um, it's, the format has changed since. You're not even that anymore. <laughs> so, but you know, you have to. If you're going to restructure European rugby, you might as well restructure it in a way that benefits European rugby. Yeah. Well, anyway, boys, it'll be interesting times. Uh, just quickly looking back over the semi-finals of the European Cup, unfortunately we weren't participants in. Rassing uh, stole, stole the game, but they certainly won the game in the last moment of genius from Finn Russell. Mm. His little dink over the top. Uh, an amazing way to, to clench the victory over Saracens uh, in one game. And uh, obviously Exeter then uh, trundled their way over the line twice to beat Toulouse. If you change settings on your TV, you could get make the Exeter jerseys look blue, and if you squinted a bit, it looked like Leinster playing because Exeter play the exact same way as Leinster do. If you think about it, no, they've no they've no flair. They, they totally disagree with you there. They've no you flair. Not a huge amount of flair either, Jay. Our game is based upon building phase after phase after look, phase after phase. Look at the amount of tries that our teams. Look at the amount of tries. Look at. We've been the top leading scorer in Europe for the last four seasons. Who's extras fullback? Ali Hug. Ali Hug. Stuart Hug. Yeah. Not a man without flair. Um, no. and, and, and actually, Jack Nell, and I thought your man O'Flaherty was superb for them. Um, uh, all of their backs were Their backs were absolutely superb. And they all made I don't know where players. you're getting this, Jason. I haven't a clue where you're getting this, Dave Nell Flair. Oh, jeez. Well, lads, I, I, honestly, I would rather not watch them play rugby because I find them... I thought they played really, really nice rugby. I really oh, enjoyed watching oh, no. them. Look at the way to, Toulouse played so much better. They should have won that game. They... They blew a four-on-one in the right-hand corner. Your man cut back inside exactly. instead of letting the ball out. They blew it. Toulouse should have won that game by a country mile. Which is hard to have beaten Racing by a country mile, but we're both happy with the results. <laughs> well, I would I have preferred Toulouse to win. I would have preferred an all-French final now. 
I thought it was funny though. A lot of people were complaining, were, were saying, oh, okay, Saracens are out, but they're still big money bags clubs. Toulouse and their money bags. Isn't it great to see them go out because they've got money yeah, bags? It's professional but, it's but it's great that Racing beat uh, thing. Do you know, Toulouse spend an Irish province more than Racing every year? Yeah. But like they've always done that, Dave. Oh no! Always I'm just saying, always. I'm just like they have a they have a mission they have a Michelin starred restaurant on their in their stadium. You know, there like they're be, they're a different level. Disconnect in people's minds sometimes about you know they seem to think that Toulouse, Claremont, you know one or two others turn mm-hmm. up and play the game for nothing. Racing don't even make the top five French spenders. You know that's the game in France. Hmm? Officially. Well, well, if they're not in officially, then the others aren't in officially either. So six to one, that doesn't the other. Um, but, you know, I thought the, that, that's the brilliant thing, though, about Finn Russell, actually. Just you never know. The great thing about watching him is you never know going into a game. Is he going to enact something of sheer genius and beauty that you'll be talking about for weeks afterwards? Or is he going to enact something? where he's trying sheer genius and beauty, but ends up falling over and, you know, farting on the ball and costing his team the game that you'd be talking about for weeks after. Well, isn't that what you love about watching? Oh, yeah, that's what I... That, I mean, you love watching him, but you never know what he's going to do next. You don't want him in your team. You certainly don't want the second version of him in You're, your team. You don't actually want him playing against your team either in case he does the first thing. They, they scored a very similar try against, I think it was Claremont two weeks ago. Yeah, they did, was, yeah. yeah. But there was, it was, they were facing the other direction, but it was so similar, only uh, the centre caught the ball and then sprinted 50 metres and, and scored. Dunnock Ryan, it has to be said, was excellent for Racing. He was, he was. Lads, I'm, I'm just conscious we're a little bit on, under time pressure, so I just want to briefly okay. mention Leinster, Leinster A played Ulster A last weekend. We lost... But there was a couple of notable things. We mentioned that Dan Levy was in the running to be to get a first start, and he didn't for whatever reason. Um, he's not again in the squad this week. The other one was I was delighted to see Hawkshaw make a, another guy who was out for a significant amount of time. Dublin 15 boy. Yeah, uh, he, he came on um, and played uh, at out half um, for some of that game. So it was good to see those two. Yeah. Uh, it's good to see him back, and hopefully Dan Levy can can get back on the pitch in, in the short term. Yeah, no, I mean, it, the, these games, you know, there's a reason why, there's a couple of reasons why coaches don't want them watched. One, they don't want, you know, uh, scouting material. And two, they don't want, you know, what are generally kind of fairly shambolically organised kind of things, because they, a lot of it is just about running metres into guys. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've, we've been to games, Jay, where they've been played in three-thirds and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, at, athletics, they call them junk miles. You have yeah. to do them. But yeah. you get real, the only benefit you get is getting miles in your legs. And it's the same yeah. for these games. Like, you know, I was just listening to, again, in the, in the press conference from, um, from Lancaster, like you mentioned, he was asked about Ireland and, and Leinster against England and Saracens. And he didn't even mention that warm-up game in Twickenham last year, mm-hmm. Ireland-England. You know, he did, that was, like he said, oh, England have beaten Ireland twice in the last two games. So that, that one, that, that pre-World Cup friendly was just what it was. It was a friendly. So, you know, he basically didn't care about that result. And 
you know, so whereas the journalists now, well, we've lost three times against England. But the reality is it's only twice because they're warm-up matches. They don't contribute anything except getting games, get miles into your legs. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, boys, as ever, thanks a million. Thanks very much for watching. If you are following us on Facebook or Twitter, please like and subscribe and uh, give us a thumbs up. Cheers. Thanks a million. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.